hello everyone. We are now live on LinkedIn and Facebook and thank you for joining us if you're joining us live. And also thank you so much to anybody that's watching this back on our playlist or maybe on LinkedIn or Facebook and also across the 12 different podcast channels that we share this. Um, today Thomas and I are here, obviously that's what we do on a Wednesday with our expert clients and um, we're going to be talking to Nick Morangos and his guest, Rachel Davis, and I'm going to introduce them in a minute. So um, today we're going to be talking about recruitment and we're going to be really open about this sector because we've got Nick Morangos, who is incredibly passionate about it and has been doing it for quite a long time. And even by his own omission, is constantly learning and adapting and listening to the market and seeing what's needed. And whether you are a candidate or whether you're a company looking for great talent or um, maybe you're another recruitment agency, you never know. I hope you tune in for the next 45 minutes and enjoy just hearing us talk about the sector. Um, so before I really pull my sleeves up and get into the subject, let me just bring a little bit of context to this. So um, this is called BIP Chat and BIP stands for Business is Personal. And it is a belief that Thomas and I have had for well, all our careers. But in 1998, we really cemented that by creating uh, the world's first social network for business. It's called Academy, And we are very devoted to building communities. And the community that we have is called BIP100, which means that we will never have more than 100 experts in our community. And Thomas, my hero, spends his whole time searching for great experts in diverse fields that his enormous network and my enormous network that we can bring those experts to you and hopefully help you to find the most important suppliers that are going to help your business grow and thrive a lot of us spend our time finding clients but actually i think we all know how critical it is to find great suppliers to our business so this is why we bring bit chat to you and so please look back at previous um, podcasts or previous videos on YouTube to see all the amazing experts that we've brought to you and please contact them. At the end, I'm going to make sure that you've got Nick's uh, full name and you can look him up on um, LinkedIn and also Rachel. Um, but anybody that's watching this now and wanting to do that, Nick Morangos is spelled M-A-R-A. N-G-O-S. Well you could be Smith, Nick. <laughs> Nick Morangos, M-A-R-N-G-O-S. And Rachel is Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, Davis, I-S at the end. So please look them up and connect with them. And if you've enjoyed this, um, tell them and also, um, you know, spread the word about them because we've searched far and wide for interesting people that have got strong values so let's, let's really get into this um, today. And the subject, as I said, is going to be about recruitment. We're going to look about, at this from sort of high level strategy aspect of recruitment. The fact that we're in a candidate driven market and what does that mean? Maybe you are a candidate and want to understand how to really represent yourself well. Um, and maybe understand um, why it is good to either go the contingent, contingent route which we're going to explain what that means uh, for recruitment or into having a retained um, relationship with a recruitment agency. Um, and I think uh, let's start off just, Nick, I would love you to 
introduce um, Rachel in a minute, but to start with, you're the managing director of Mason and Wake. Correct. Yeah. And you've been doing recruitment for 20 years. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey and then I would love you to introduce Rachel to us all. Yeah, perfect. Firstly, thank you very much for both of you having uh, me on and, and Rachel for joining. I mean, basically, I started back in uh, 99 in Australia. Uh, sales recruitment is uh, what we do. We're a global sales search firm. Um, so we basically cover, you know, sort of mid to senior sales uh, vacancies and uh, started in Australia and then came over to the UK, started Mason and Wake about 10 years ago. And the main focus, you know, was, I guess, to cover the salespeople. And yeah, it's been, you know, um, up and down for the last couple of years. And basically about 12 months ago, decided to focus on retained as opposed to contingent, which we'll talk about. And this is where Rachel came in. Um, I met Rachel five years ago, six years ago uh, at, a, at another business. We, we shared the, the same office and we kept in touch. And she's my coach mentor on retained. She's got, I'll let her tell you because um, I go I, I, into detail, but like me, 20 years of recruitment. So we both enjoy the crazy world of recruitment. And uh, I'll let Rachel kind of sum, sum up where, what she's done. Thank you. So, Rachel, that's brilliant, Nick, and I, I'm really desperate to get into talking about some of the stuff that I know is really important to you. So, um, Rachel, lovely to meet you as Nick's coach. Lovely to talk Thanks to you, for having highly me. of you to us. Um, <laughs> to really, really nice to meet you at last. Um, and you, you do career coaching, um, talent management, headhunting, um, and you have a particular niche that you support as well. So just tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, so like Nick said, um, hello, everyone, um, sort of over 20 years um, in search, started in search in a pre-LinkedIn, very traditional search agency down in, in Bristol, uh, Edward Drummond. And um, from there, um, my talent business just grew um, and I worked for VCs and PEs um, uh and their businesses that they were investing in and, and their growth teams. And out of all of that, um, my real passion is about giving people um, a choice in their career. And so um, going back to my roots in terms of, of um, career transition coaching, um, I set up Atomic Tangerine, which really is about working with early stage seed businesses um, and talent that's either transferring or um, growing within those businesses but looking for where they naturally excel and making sure that they're actually engaging in the businesses where they're going to add the most value um, and I also coach most of the executives that are in those businesses as well so I wear two hats um, still a headhunter can't give it up it's you're either a people person or not and um I love the process um, and it's been um, an honour to be in that industry that's shifted so much over the last 20 years and grown so much. And um, yeah, as Nick said, we, we worked together, um, I think about six, seven years ago and kept in touch and delighted to be working together again. Yeah, that is wonderful. Wonderful. So now you will realise anybody here that I tend to be very dominant on these shows. Poor Thomas, or you see him open and close his mouth waiting to say something. <laughs> <laughs> a 
and I have to be very aware of that. So, Thomas, I've got an idea of sort of some of the questions, but you want to say anything at this point? Uh, uh, welcome to the show, guys. It's very nice to have you on the show. It's very nice to talk about the subject of recruitment because I read the FT every day, the Wall Street Journal, and I know we've now got a, a surplus of capital and a shortage of labour worldwide. And I don't think we've ever experienced that before. And we've also got this thing called the Great Resignation, <laughs> where people are leaving organisations and building their own lifestyle businesses. And I'm wondering how that's going to affect the labour and recruitment and headhunting market. So I'd love you to cover that, um, if you could snip that in as you're going through your penny power questions. I think that's a great place to start, actually, guys, because this, this concept of a candidate-driven market and people making some really big life choices, I assume, is creating a little bit of a dearth of talent. And so I'd love us for Nick. What's what are your thoughts on that when when you're working with companies? Yeah, I, I think um, it's a very good question. Thanks, Thomas. I think you know, it, as a since the pandemic, I think things have changed massively where people have moved out and they're being more flexible. So the ability to use Zoom as a, I guess, a business tool. Um, you know, for many years, we try to get people to do interviews on Zoom, and our clients were very reluctant to use it. No, we want to meet them face to face. Obviously, with COVID, that, that wasn't possible. So with Zoom, it's helped massively. So it saves time and we can place people all over the world. Um, and what it's done is has created a massive shortage of great candidates. And also um, the increase in salaries people are getting when they're leaving is phenomenal. It's absolutely nuts. So um, Because of the shortage. Yeah, and also they want to keep the good ones. So typically, I don't want to, I don't want to judge here, but furloughed, and then let go, maybe, you know, the business was struggling, maybe you weren't good enough, but the ones that were kept and want to leave, they're crucial. So businesses don't want to lose them. So yeah, they, I mean, I've had some silly stories of people getting 50K, you know, literally in 48 hours and in the end staying. So I think that's really what probably one of the biggest things. And also people wanting to move abroad, uh, abroad, but also a lifestyle. I mean, what was the, the high percentage? One hundred and twenty thousand sort of families left London. Uh, I think uh, that's you know sort of one of the quotes I got. You know, so people have made that decision. Three days a week, you know, in the office seems to be the norm today, and two days working from home. So yeah, I think um, there's a lot to adapt, and it's it's not not easy. And well, and and Rachel, this this phrase, the Great Resignation, that we hear. It's, it's now yeah. become a phrase. I hear it New Zealand, Australia. I hear it in Europe. I see it in the newspaper. What is it purely pandemic or something else happened? So it's a really valid question. And I think that there's there's the straight answer about the pandemic. And then there's this undercurrent answer. So um, I'll, I'll deal with the pandemic first. Um, the great resignation. It's a buzzword. The reshuffle. Um, I think last year um, we had experienced, we've had three years of quite sharp uncertainty as businesses and as employees. And I think in 20, um, 20 to 21, there was a slight pause where people were worried about their jobs. They were, they were feeling quite protective. And then there was a shift um, where people had been 
in this unusual situation where their work-life balance, their engagement, um, if they'd been furloughed and let go of, all of these different things happening, uh, there was a massive shift. Um, and I think people have decided, mm. actually, this is the time. We used to see it in recruitment trends. We used to call it the desert and the peak, where actually Feb- end of January, February was where people used to change jobs quite regularly. Because, you know, I've been in this job for 10 years. I said I'd leave it and and, and off they go. But this, this resignation or reshuffle is more about people really digging into their alignment at work and what suits them and where they want to be working. Um, and I think the challenge there for businesses is they're a little bit behind the curve and having to adjust to that very quickly. So financially, the, the retention reward there is, is that's a sort of knee jerk. But the underlying answer to that is, I think this was always going to happen. We were on this path anyway. And, it, and the pandemic has accelerated it. People, more and more of my coaches at exec level or returners to work have come and said, I've looked at how I want to live, where my values are, how I want to work. And it doesn't want to be just that nine to five with a basic salary. It's bigger than that. We want to belong to something bigger than that. And I think that's actually just been accelerated. Well, that's good. And the the hybrid working, Nick mentioned two days a week at home, three days a week in the office. I assume that's Monday and Friday at home and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the office. But I guess that's flexible. Has the hybrid working thing is is hybrid working a success? (laughs) Is it is it a winner or is it another one of those buzzwords that's a failure? No, I mean, we'll see It, it. You know, businesses uh want to create a culture so it's practically impossible just zooming all day long um it's weird you know like when you're looking to speak to more junior salespeople, which we don't do that often but what we do you know the first question you have to ask is do you want to be in the office or do you want to work from home and you know anybody under 30 is like i don't didn't move to london to work in my living room you know so that's changed massively but to answer your question i think the three days you know, we were talking before pandemic, what, four day weeks, weren't we? And, you know, when you get to a certain level, I think uh, certainly in the world I've recruited in, the more senior people were already doing a day or two at home. Fridays, typically admin day, they called it, um, you know, and if the weather was good, you know, they may sneak another day in the um, for a game of golf or whatever. But I think um, I think that it's the best way. It's a good balance. It means you're not looking Monday to Friday going, here we go again. I don't think we'll ever go back, especially, you know, Monday to Friday, get on the tube at seven in the morning to be in the office at eight. I don't think, I hope not anyway, you know, that's not sustainable. So I think this has been a brilliant introduction to the, this whole subject. I want to sort of get into the detail of things because you said earlier in your introduction of yourself is that you've in the last year have moved your business strategy towards having retainer clients, which I personally love the idea of that, just emotionally, the fact that you can get pull up your sleeves and get really deeply uh, embedded in their needs and and really work for them much closer. But do you want to just tell me the journey of that? Because to switch a business model from contingent, which is, I suppose that's just paid on results, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. To retainer, it's a big decision. What's it been like moving across? It wasn't easy. Um, I'll be honest, because 20 years of, I guess, 
you know, um, I think recruitment is, you've got to be pretty resilient, right? I think everybody knows that. And when you're doing contingent, it simply means you get a job spec, you agree terms. And if your candidate gets the job, you get paid. Um, and that just wasn't sustainable enough. I think, you know, with 2021, um, or should I say 2020, a lot of businesses were just, I call it kicking tires. They were literally, yeah, we've got a role, let's go. And they actually, we've changed our mind. And, you know, it just wasn't working. Um, up till now it had been, but I think it wasn't as enjoyable and, and, and I suppose as fun. So I met Rachel, we chatted about it. And I, when I met her five years ago, she talked about it, but I dismissed it because I just thought I'm doing okay doing this. I didn't believe, to be honest, that, you know, retained business for sales recruitment in general was something. I, I don't know why, it called me naive. But from the moment we started engaging in the coaching and when you win your first retainer, which simply means you pay a deposit, a retainer, of a percentage of the fee, it's the same cost, but it just means there's a relationship there and actually you start working for them. So uh, funnily enough, they, uh, you know, I suppose your customers are much more willing to return your call, give you feedback and work with you. And I found another lease of, recruitment and passion because it's really in, in you know i guess the enjoyment is when you find the right candidate they're happy and they give you more work and the word gets out and so on so it's been really difficult i, I found it incredibly hard it took me a few months to really get my head around it but once i got it right thanks to Ra you know rachel's help massively helpful just in the pitch the wording and and just walking away because you get the old clients going hey i've got the roles it's like no i'm not i'm i'm, I'm retained now I don't I don't do contingent and that was hard that takes a lot of courage it does <clears throat> I know does. Rachel said to us earlier before we went live that it's very important that we don't dismiss contingent so I, I know we want to also give some um power to the elbow of contingent sure. working as well but um is this a secret but do you think that anybody that's on retainer as a company is going to really get more likely to find the best clients uh, best candidates because if I had someone on retainer personally I would make sure I served them first with the best people I'll let Rachel answer that she's probably got <laughs> so I think you know as I said there's a place for all different models of recruitment and it's it is client driven um and and you know like Nick if you run a search agency um, or firm you know you've chosen to do that because you firmly believe that the relationship needs to be aligned in terms of a retainer the i mean the the candidate caliber scale i call it that's available um is arguably down to contingently if you've got a great network and you've by luck come across somebody who's actively looking by all means it's not going to dilute the caliber of that candidate but there is an element of luck there as well with the search side, um, the methodology really leaves no stone unturned. And you look at all, and I think you get far more breadth of caliber. Um, but you're also talking to those passive um, candidates, which actually post-pandemic are far more approachable now because people are less worried about a move. So you can have those open conversations and those returned calls. But that takes time and investment. Whereas with the contingent, it is what I call a little bit more fast and furious. 
but they are using amazing tools to help with that and the due diligence is there but the search um, methodology has I think a more emotional intelligent connection with the business and if you are a um, an individual who really understands the culture of the business you're hiring for nothing can take away that intuition of interviewing a candidate and knowing the fit yeah. and knowing that there's going to be a chemistry between the senior leadership team yeah, um, and I think that's so important we don't want I'm all for all the the, the technology and and, and what we, the assessment tools we use now in search and in contingent and the behavioural profiling are fantastic. They're great scaffolding to make sure that we're making the right decisions on hiring the right fit. But um, I'm a great one for the intuitive uh, choice as well. And I think you can't take that away from your client, but you can guide it. And I think search allows that. So so, uh, I was going to ask you about you know, another aspect of recruitment is the DIY recruiter, the person who says, I don't need anybody to help me. I don't know whether that's a phrase, the DIY recruiter, but, um, you know, the person who says, I've got all this access to all these people on LinkedIn, I'll find them myself. Personally, if you can outsource a skill to somebody else to do it well, I think that must be better. But are we seeing that starting to reduce now? Are people starting to get LinkedIn fatigue in doing recruitment, Nick? Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, businesses want to save. They still want to save money, I think. And people think recruitment is quite straightforward. You know, just go on LinkedIn, view messages. They'll come back to me. Bob's your uncle. Um, I don't, you know, uh, what we found is a lot of businesses do it for themselves two or three months. And then they go, oh, my God, can you just take over, please? And we don't charge any more. We just say, fine, you know, and we just, how, who have you spoken to? What have you done? So that's where I think the market is at the moment. And it's great because they know how hard it is. So there's a mutual respect. And to then, I guess, pitch the retainer, if you like, it's a lot easier because I don't care. Just, you know, just go and find me the people. And, um, you know, we need the, you know, them in place as soon as possible. So, yeah, I, I definitely think, because um, there's a lot of like the market we're in is private equity VC backed venture capitalist backed so there's a lot of money there so they want to grow fast so it's very difficult when you've got one or two people to hire possibly you can do it yourself but if you need to hire a team across a, you know, the globe and different levels and so on it's 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 very very difficult and it's the predictable unpredictability of people because I did recruitment years ago just on my own because Thomas in the mid 90s was bringing companies from America over and helping establish them in the e-commerce and e-procurement world and he said to me Pen you're at home with the kids you, you know this world do a bit of recruitment it's I mean when you're dealing with people and their lives yeah. you can really think well they're definitely going to say this job and there's six months of work that I've done and they and then like you said they'll go back to their existing company and they'll suddenly get a 50 grand improvement in salary like you mentioned at the beginning and all that work and I imagine if you're trying to run your job and you've got that risk factors on top, I mean, if recruitment run smoothly, well, yeah, everybody could do it, couldn't they? But it's Correct. it doesn't run yeah. smoothly, does it? I mean, if I can jump in here, I think um, 
the 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 unpredictability of people is is something which is a bit of a challenge actually right now in the market because there's less friction about changing jobs and people are open to conversations and and approaches um we've we've moved away from um like I said earlier recruitment being a sort of necessary evil for businesses to have to do it's always sort of been like oh gosh we've got to pay recruitment fees you know even though they love to have the best talent I think we're moving away from that because more and more people are going out and happy to they they understand the importance of it because of the 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 lack of jobs and the competitiveness and the retention but one of the main things that differentiates I think Nick's search model is that it looks at the onboarding of a candidate and that is where the due diligence needs to be to ensure that you've got a managed expectation of that candidate actually joining that business and at the moment many candidates across the board could be running in three or four final stages and if you don't have that due diligence and share the risk with your client in terms of that search process and the investment in it, and it's just a transactional piece of work, then then there's a lack of a relationship and loyalty there from the candidate. And from the business, it's about ensuring the first point of contact with that candidate is about the candidate experience right the way through to their, their years in the business. And it's been a neglected major part of of recruitment and businesses and it's just coming to the forefront now and I'm a real advocate for that onboarding and search has always done it so I think this is this is this is the search time for onboarding bringing it into the market and Rachel when you when you talk about the candidate doing different streams at the same time are you saying that the candidates might might be going through the onboarding process with more than one company at once deciding which one they finally choose so that yeah i mean most companies don't have formulated onboarding processes it's ad hoc it's you know either a senior exec or a manager going yes i'll onboard um and the the talent acquisition teams now are really coming into their own about being needed because businesses are recognizing that first conversation is the start of onboarding. Um, but quite often candidates are exploring not just the salary and the location, they're, they're exploring the, the wider considerations and alignment of that role. And that's what's exposed on the onboarding. It's a bit like when you meet somebody for the third time, you really get to know them because the first time it's always lovely the second time it's slightly more comfortable and the third time the guard is down a little bit more and that's the same with the candidate experience um but i definitely think that candidates are quite open to to looking at their options so if you've got a oh sorry thomas you want to carry that i was going to say nick when you when you talk about uh, companies want to build a culture yep and rachel talked about the the chemistry and the intuition that you're you still want to have that final matching process outside of all these psychometric testing systems are you because you've been doing it for 20 years 30 years 
do you kind of know who fits where? You, yeah, I mean, there's a pattern, I think. People come from certain companies that sell in a certain way. Um, I think also uh, I have my three or four questions I ask as soon as I meet somebody via LinkedIn or whether they've been referred. And those answers very quickly can determine whether they're the right type of person for that company, you know, the motivation for, for, for looking for a new job, the salary expectation, how have they performed. Um, it does, th- there is a pattern, definitely. And you know they'll fit in certain businesses, you know, uh, better than others, just because the way the line managers um, would manage them, but also how the business structured and, you know, what they're looking for. Absolutely. So if you were placing Rachel, Thomas and Penny, these three new candidates you've got on this show today, right? would they all be going to the same company or would they be going to three different companies? Very, I think all different. You're all very different people. <laughs> I want to make, I want to, you know, obviously place all three. No, I, I, I think it depends what you're looking for, but no, I think you'd all be very different. And I think that's, that's why I love what I, you know, I love recruitment because every conversation is different, you know, People are looking to move for different reasons and their success and and so on, but also what they're selling. You know, the technology today, there's so much out there and it's fascinating. I mean, we do a lot in financial crime, anti-money laundering and know your customer, KYC, you know, and there's an abundance of companies out there doing that. But they all have their own little, you know, I guess, sort of uh, product specialization. Um, So, yeah, I think it's down to those kind of first Five minutes with the candidate will really give you an idea. And then typically the second call, I would do the same. I would double check that the most, you know, the motivations, the salary, everything that they're looking for hasn't changed because you'd be amazed how much people do change their view. Once they've started looking and speak to other agencies or they speak to their other halves. And that's a massive factor, you know, obviously being personal. Look, I've changed my mind. I've spoken to my, partner wife whatever or husband and you know i'm not looking for that i'm looking for this so so there's a lot of cross-checking you need to do to make sure and i think the 20 odd years of doing this has given me a fairly good idea um you know if it's feasible or not and i'll tell you know i will tell the candidates not the right time to move in my opinion you haven't been there long enough or it doesn't add up for me i can't help you and i think that's part of probably why I've been able to do this job for so long is there is a lot of honesty, even though I think they're a great person and I could get them into, you know, uh, it's not thinking just about the fee. It's about the long-term relationship with the candidate and the client, you know, and I think that's, um, yeah, that comes. With so with, with the candidates, Nick, because um, I'm hoping we've got a lot of candidates listening here um, and they're in sales, senior sales, that's the industry they want to be in. They would contact you, yeah, yep. and say, you know, I'm wanting to make a move. And then would you go and look for a company that they could go to? So, yeah, there's two ways. So if they see an advert, because we do advertise on LinkedIn and a couple of the job boards read and total jobs, because people do still apply. Um, we would, um, you know, if, they, if they're not suitable for any of the open vacancies, the retainers we're working on at the moment, there is that flip side where I'm quite old school. I don't know if Rachel still does it as well. I um, can't remember the terminology you have for it, but it's basically we would go and source 
a list of companies we'd work together and then we would go and openly go and speak to the chief revenue officer ceo md of those businesses and say you know i've had permission from the candidate that's really important so we've come up with a list we've agreed on and we would approach uh the senior members of of that business and say we've got somebody from a competitor or we think who would be a good fit and we're very transparent you know we share the cv what salary they're looking for location etc in the old days that was quite successful it does happen you do get it it's about timing but if if you look at what's going on on linkedin and you are very apparent and you are people know who you are in the industry they normally will reply going look not right now however we might be looking for so and so so it's a twofold thing because it's a business development sort of approach but also it does help that candidate but you have to share with the candidate who you're going to approach we never ever send somebody's cv in my 20 odd years of doing this i've never sent somebody's cv without their permission rachel you mentioned um talent gaps and you said how it's a very competitive market and um we've called it a candidate driven market yeah are companies starting to realize that they've got to be a little bit less arrogant about the fact i've got a job for you you lucky thing yeah yeah and this is taking you know going back to saying that there's the shift in um businesses through the pandemic having to orbit around their hr and talent acquisition departments and people um and you know one of the things there is um headhunters recruiters hr people have taken so much more on during this pandemic that aren't isn't part of their jobs because it's it's um, brought up so many different needs and the the advertising for roles or the talent gaps um you know, I've got a favourite phrase, probably known for pipelining uh, those talent gaps is um, no longer just like talked about. It's very, very real because throughout the pandemic, you know, that these gaps have widened and businesses have lost people. And without those those gaps filled, they're in a lot of trouble. And I think they're they're far more open to their talent teams or recruitment services coming to them and saying, right, this is the way that we're, we're moving forward um, with it. Whereas previously, I think they probably would have been a little bit more um, stringent in terms of their preferred supplier list or just advertising themselves or just believing that actually their own job board and advertising on LinkedIn was enough. Um, and I think, I think I, candidates some place where they're the most empowered they've ever been in terms of self-selection um, and that, that cannot be ignored by businesses it's no longer line up and I'll choose my favorite fit it's actually does this candidate want to join us so it's an interesting um, shift and I think for the better because it means that there is um, well recruitment or um, talent acquisition is now becoming um, holistic for the person. It's not. It's not as scrappy as it used to be. Yeah. No, it's nice. It's. I mean, I'm all in favour of companies having some power, but it is nice to think that now the candidates and their careers, and also as you sort of 
you implied Rachel earlier about it's not just about the money and the location no they're, they're having to think about I, I guess the well-being aspects of the yeah. organization the culture um, well, I mean when I when I've coached people through the pandemic who are in transition one of the key things and considerations there and um, I've got a great phrase is you know you don't change roles purely for one aspect of the pillar of why you do in your career because realistically if you only change for salary quite often three to six months later you're going to be just as unhappy you've just changed commute but you're doing it the same role and you know get underneath the skin of why do you want to change and actually some of the onus is on the candidate to educate the business about how best to engage them and, you know, candidates and as, um, as employees and people within our career, we can be quite lazy about expecting people to understand how to get the best out of us. But all the great people and businesses that add the most value know how to steer that and educate their, their employees on it. So mm. there's lots of learnings from both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Nick, you went you went into the sales. That's your specialisation. Yeah, yeah. It, it is salespeople. Um, yeah. Chief Revenue Officer, you said. I've never heard that phrase. Have you not? <laughs> oh, really? Okay. There's a posh word for a sales director. <laughs> I'm not sure though. Yeah, yeah, okay, let's agree. Oh, I, yeah. so I call you that now, Thomas. You're the Chief <laughs> Revenue Director. No, I like sales. <laughs> I love sales. And, and I was just curious to know, you know, in, in terms of a sector for you to be serving, is that one of the most volatile um the sales sector um i mean i guess i love talking to salespeople. i have tried different markets um it wasn't for me um and also i get on with salespeople. you know the stories and they return your call and you can have a bit more a bit more banter maybe yeah um, and you have 20 years of networking in that area yeah yeah and yeah. i started in that and you know i've I guess I stuck at it. Um, but that that niche skill that you have, I mean, you know, I'm hoping people are hearing this, that you know, somebody who specialises on a particular job specification and who knows it and has the connections and has that sixth sense for whether or not this person is who they say they are. Yeah. An incredible advantage when you're at work with you. Yeah, I hope. Uh, yes, I, I I think so. Definitely. I, I think that the difference and we talked about, you know, obviously it's a Canada driven market, you know, using LinkedIn recruiter, which which is a fantastic tool, but probably overused now. Mm-hmm. You know, people won't respond if you have maybe one or two years, you know, a junior sort of, I guess, consultant with a recruitment agency uh, because of, I guess, how long I've been doing this and my title possibly and I get a better response. I've tried it. So it's definitely got its advantages. But I suppose within five minutes, um, I would have a pretty decent conversation, literally five minutes to say, look, it's not for you, but let's keep in touch, as opposed to, you know, rambling on about a role that that person's not really interested in and, and, and trying to get the numbers on the board to make me look good and my manager's happy that I've, you know, I'm, I'm doing a good day's work that's a massive difference and advantage um so yeah but also i do enjoy it i do actually crazily enough a lot of my friends who've done this as long as me kind of laugh going you're just one of those but i i I do love helping people and talking to them and when we do find the right role and the right salary and they're happy um you know it's uh, it's very satisfying and and in terms of sectors that you serve mostly which sector yeah so 
you know, it's technology sales. So software as a service, SaaS is, yeah. is huge. Um, we do a lot around business intelligence and content, which again is a platform around content and information. So that can be for the legal, financial, insurance, capital markets, investment banks, and so on. Um, and I guess the software as a service goes across all industries from HR, payroll, um, benefits, you name it. Um, um, because yeah, th that's a booming industry where businesses have really had a lot of investment. I mean, if you look at, um, I don't know if you've heard of something called PitchBook that basically gives you a detailed um, summary um, of who's investing in who, you know, what private equity or venture capitalist is invented, how much, when, what industry, when it came out, all that kind of stuff. That's really, really interesting um, to get that information because then typically if they've had sort of 50, 100 million invested, um, they're going to need to start hiring in the next six to 18 months typically because they want to see a return on their investment so you know there's a need there and if you can you know you can get through to those guys and they really understand you, you know your way in gold and how you can help and reach the people they really need for their business um it's very satisfying very mm. satisfying very Absolutely. good very good well we're nearly at the end of the show um i suppose that, you know i just want to ask this last question so if you're a candidate so if you're somebody sitting in a job and you're not really enjoying it, um, it's now a good time to be moving around, you think? I think we might have said yes to that through this whole show. Yeah. Definitely. You know. I think the market's so fluid at the minute. Um, it's, it's about making sure you know what you're looking for in that next move because the choice is there. Um, but also perhaps educating the people who you work with as to why you want to move first. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But in my experience of, oh God, nearly 40 years in um, tech businesses, all those people, and I was sales marketing director of a company for eight years, all those people that came and then we tried to attain them by giving them another salary, they still left in three yeah. or four months for whatever reason. I mean, so, we um, know if you mentally think you're going to leave. Absolutely. It's the hygiene factors. The seed is there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so if, if you are a candidate, if you are someone who's feeling that way, I imagine it's much better to go to a search agency that's going to look after your career than to try and find a job on your own. Yeah, I mean, I would say do both just so that you get the experience. Um, you know, not I, I can't help every single person that gets in touch, let's be honest. But I think, <laughs> as Rachel said, I'd love to, but that's, you know, that's impossible. Yeah. I think it's, as Rachel said, you know, why are you looking? Be clear about what you want. You know, it's fine to have an exploratory chat. I'm more than happy to do that. But I will say, as I said before, you know, if it's not right or I can't help you, I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for you, the motivation's got to be, the right reasons you know if it's just purely money i that's not that's not a good reason you know if you're not yeah. happy the, the product doesn't work the, the market's tough to sell in they changed your commission 15 times you've had the set you've had three different bosses in 12 months the list goes on those are valid reasons to just go hang on a minute or you know they're running out of money you're going through a series c and it's not looking like it's going to happen you know why don't you go before you're pushed and, you know, your salary hasn't been paid for a couple of months, what, whatever it might be. But I would say if you see an advert and you like the look of it, get in touch. You know, it's, it's not always about making the placement there and there. It's a future thing. 
um, and we're here for a long time. You know, we're not going anywhere. So if we can't help you now, um, you know, we can definitely try and help you in the future. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, we're just Beautiful. about at the end of the show now. Did you want to say something, Thomas, before we... No, I just thought that was a great, that was a very informative show. Yes. I've got the transcript. You're both, you're yeah. both superb communicators and operators. Fantastic. Oh, thank you. You're great interviewers, both of you. Yeah. I, I really know. genuinely say this for anybody listening. We've known Nick a very long time now as a, as a client, but really closely. And we know his values and we know his purpose and passion and commitment to this. So I would say, you know, if you are a company who is looking for people, <clears throat> try and get in touch and, and consider the fact that a retainer is going to save you so much time and pain and frustration and stress. Um, and it's honestly not as expensive as people think. I think if you did a cost analysis of doing that against doing contingency, you would probably find that you've um, you come up tops going, going the retainer route. So thank you. And thank you so much, Nick. And then Rachel, I understand that people can come to you around career advice. And also it sounds like you go into organizations to help them around their talent acquisition and their, the culture and everything. So again, please get in touch with Rachel. So that's Nick Morangos. If you're listening to this rather than seeing it, you can see his name if you're watching this, but is M-A-R-A-N-G-O-S. So look him up on LinkedIn. And Rachel is R-A-C-H-E-L Davis, I-S at the end. And uh, thank you so much for a great show, guys. Really, really enjoyed thank it. You. Thank you very, very thank much. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye.